Welcome to the Crowfall Podcast, where we share stories and perspectives from the world of Crowfall with your host, Chris and Walker. This is Walker, and today we work through some of the new ideas for campaign rules recently proposed by the developer, as well as some of our own ideas. Be sure and follow us on Twitter and Minds at CrowfallPod. As always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty godly. Pretty godly? <laughs> You've been spending a lot of time on old God's reach there? No, not at all. Just uh, making making things happen, you know? Okay, okay. Well, then, I mean, what do you make that happen, then? Well, um, talking about the dregs, and I guess as we're moving through that, we're coming into the last few weeks of this current campaign and pretty excited at just in how far we've come, not only for our personal guild, but our alliance. I mean, going into the dregs, no one really knew who we were or anything. And we have since been able to hold a keep since day one. We currently still have it and have defended that several times. So I'm just proud of, of everything that, that we've done up until this point. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I, I don't know how much we've talked about this on other episodes already, but, you know, when we started, we know nothing about the game. You create a guild that people can just join without you inviting them, right? I mean, not that that's unique to, to you or the guild that we're in, but... My point is, is like it's not like we had a squad coming in of fifty people or something, right? Yeah, and get a bunch of people joining the guild, have a Discord set up or whatever, and just kind of start playing together. And you know, some people emerge as really, really dedicated, or some people emerge as volunteering to take on leadership type roles and are willing to lead events or lead groups to go farm or whatever the case may be. But in that first month, certainly we weren't able to go to dregs. I mean, we did skis <laughs> like the last <laughs> few days at the dregs. We ski some points, yeah. but, but we didn't really participate in the dregs and there wasn't faction versus faction yet. Mm-mm. And so it was kind of this nebulous, like, what are we doing really? Right. Yeah. There, there was no uh, there was no other guilds looking to talk to us about anything we were doing in the tracks. <laughs> no, no. And well, and also just there's a filling out process. And I remember back then you had started already the negotiation process. We talked about this, I know, on one of the early episodes where I <laughs> unsuccessfully tried to gank some dude. And it turned out he's in one of the guilds that you were working on an alliance with, but we weren't actually allied with them yet. Right. Right. So my point just being that like, we literally started from nothing. Like we didn't know anyone. (laughs) Arguably, we still don't understand the game. Uh, (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and, and again, it's not like you had this alliance community you could plug into or something like there's no reason for anyone to take us seriously, including ourselves at the very beginning. 
right. And everyone that we've played with uh, in our guild and in our current alliance, we met in-game. There was no preformed group or setup that we had bringing in. This is all population from the game that we met. Well, right. Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not the top guild in the dregs or something at this point. But to your point, we have managed to hold a keep the whole time. And it is cool to see the progress that we've been able to make given where we started from, which is, again, nothing. Yeah, carving out a, a space in the dregs. Because our top guild in our alliance isn't even in the top 10 in points. Mm. And and our personal guild is not even in the top 20. Right. So it's interesting that we have the we have this keep and there there really isn't doesn't seem to be much advantage to attacking us because i mean if we were to lose it i mean i guess they could the person taking it would get a little bit more points but it wouldn't be hurting any of the top point players and we're not even threatening to take any of those top point spots right Right. Well, and to some extent, isn't that kind of what we've seen is that like the people who have attacked the keep have not been, it's not been the top guilds, right? And now with one guild specifically, there's some reasoning for that. But, but my point is, it's not like we've been overwhelmed and, and seen this huge show of force. I mean, there have been attacking armies, but they've been from groups that seem to be maybe kind of similar to us in size and scale right or yeah yeah i mean just this last keep defense was probably the most offensive siege we had seen Mm -hmm. they definitely dropped probably about five or six traps but uh, they were they were i think level one traps still right and by this time we've been upgrading our keep since the beginning mm-hmm. it would be pretty hard to take it with with that considering that we also have you know the defensive siege level four right and with the siege windows you also we can actually make sure and have people online when it happens because everyone knows when it is and there can be communication going out frequently so yeah. we also it's people aren't showing up to attack an empty keep kind of thing Right, right, right. But yeah, we've just been uh, holding that keep and uh, hanging out and chilling. I mean, we don't really have any incentive to expand into another keep. We don't really have the manpower to hold to, I don't think. Right. Well, so so that that's a conversation that you and I were having the other day, and it, it's interesting because just today on the forums they posted some new ideas they have about some new campaign rules Mm -hmm. which the rules they posted some of them are in alignment with what we were talking about some aren't but anyway so what we were talking about the other day was that you were you were to some extent lamenting a little bit that there isn't really a reason for us to expand right and there's also not really a reason for people to be gunning for us correct so it feels kind of stagnant 
Yeah, yeah, and and there's nothing really forcing us to make a make a different move than than what we've already done. Mm-hmm. For example, if the current situation is if we look at the top three, we have Winter Blades with about eighty thousand points, and I think they have about seven keeps, and then below them, Synapse. 67,000 KDS at 49,000. Mm. So as of right now, Winter Blades being the number one guild, there really doesn't seem to be any shift in a situation where we would consider going after one of one of those top guilds, I guess. Well, and to be clear, so just to, to reiterate, you said the number one spot is 80,000 points and the number three spot is just under 50,000 points. Right. So that's a a pretty big gap. And do you, can you say roughly how many points we have from holding a single keep this campaign? Our top guild is probably around, I think it was 14. Okay. Or 12. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because so not only is us, holding the keep not threatening one of them mm-hmm. but winter blades if they're the top guild they have no reason to take our keep because they already have an insurmountable lead seemingly right the number two guild and the number three guild are far enough behind winter blades and one another right and the two and three to one and also three to two mm-hmm. that gap is big enough that even if they had all 12,000 or 14,000 or whatever the points that we have for holding that keep, it, it doesn't change anything for them either, right? Right, right. And if you look at the keep numbers with Winterblades having seven, as of right now, Synapse had three and KDS two. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's even well, less than half. Right. And obviously now maybe if they were able, if these other, if the number two and three guild were able to take two or three keeps, then maybe they're in now, now they're competing. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they have to be able to hold that (laughs) also. Correct. Like, it seems like the play would be to take winter blades keeps because then they would at least suffer a point loss deduction on on the loss of the keep. And then the bottom guilds would then be getting the the point totals on the ticks. But to have an all-out war with Winterblades, which I I I have no idea the political situation between those top three guilds that we're talking about. I don't know if if they're all sieging each other, every siege window they get, they may be, I don't know. They could all be friends. I I don't don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. It's like on the one hand, so I, I definitely see the problem with the stagnation and the problem with, they're not really being incentive for things to be different. However, as I've iterated probably every single episode and will probably continue to do mm-hmm. the, the thing that separates Crowfall. Well, that's not fair. One of the major things that separates Crowfall from other MMOs <laughs> is its campaign structure. So as you said, at the very beginning of, of this conversation, like there's only another, I think it's 
13 days from when we're recording this, but it'll be about 10 days from when the episode comes out until this campaign of this drags campaign is over. Yes. And so that, that is so valuable. And and I know that winter blades was dominant before they're dominant. Now it's not as if we expect that when the next drag starts, they have fallen apart for some reason, but the restarting changes the maps. It changes what, what people have invested in what keep, right? Like where people's energy and time has been spent. And it just literally changes the landscape of it all. So even outside of any other mechanical changes they could make, I think that just simply having a new campaign constantly like this just means so much. Yeah, I mean, it it resets the playing field. It allows guilds who may not have had the presence that they wanted to restart fresh and take advantage of a month of progression that they now have so then they can deploy into the next campaign, hopefully in a better situation Mm -hmm. where they could influence more of what's going on. Well, you know, and I also just think, and, and I have, again, I have, none of this is meant to be personal about winter blades or any of the other guilds. Cause I don't know any of those people or have any idea. I'm, I'm just talking at a conceptual kind of level, I guess, but the other thing is, is that all of these groups are made up of people and yeah, yeah. people in general, again, not those specific people, but all people are fickle and change their minds, especially <laughs> when it comes to something that doesn't actually have stakes. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not actually life or death. Any of this, it's all, it's all for fun. It's all a game. So my point being that in the game, someone could be fickle because they got bored right? Like it might have be nothing else that they decide to do something wild and crazy is just because they're trying to solve boredom. And so I also think that by constantly re resetting, it just invites more and more opportunities for there to be divisions within larger organizations for there to be breaks and, and, and differences that drive people away from the group that they're in and cause them to splinter off and start new groups. Mm-hmm. And so I would just be, and again, maybe Winterblade leadership would take this personally. It's not meant for them to, but are they really going to be the dominant guild a year from now? I would be very surprised if that's true. Yeah, who knows? And again, not because of anything of them. It's just simply because it's a, it's a game. And if it was a game that didn't have the constantly cycling campaigns they would be able to establish a foothold and then you can just kind of plug people in to this already existing machine. That's just going, Mm -hmm. but every month they've got to take a new keep, right? They've got to go farm all the stone in the wood again, right? They don't just get to maintain. And so it, yeah, it just, it, and again, I don't, I'm not wishing (laughs) winter blades breaks up or something. I don't care, but I think that's, I'd be surprised if honestly, all of the people that we are playing with in our, tiny guild and alliance now are still all of the same key players a year from now right like yeah uh it's just kind of the way of things so yeah i uh, go ahead well hopefully we would see more people joining the game and maybe an influx of of new people that would take up that uh torch 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the the change to the mega server or whatever you want to call it, the multi server campaigns, the the way that the Dreg is done and the way that Shadow's done now and God's Reach, I think that's huge for even though that's not like something you put on the box to attract a new player. I think logging into the game now makes a lot more sense than it used to. I know that, that they recently had a post about some changes to the new player experience they were looking to do where basically I think everyone gets to skip to 25. Oh. And you can choose like an archetype. And so that way you're not having to build a, a spec or anything. Like it's just, there's like six choices for do you want to be arranged? DPS or a melee DPS or a healer or whatever. I don't know what all the archetypes are, but there's like six archetypes. And so it fast tracks people into the end of God's reach. Uh-huh. And it changes up the way sky point works to try and facilitate combat more readily. So I think that those are potentially good things. I, I don't know. You know, when we talked a week or two ago about, the new player experience. And I don't mean the line of quests that they do. I mean, I kind of do, but to me, part of the struggle of the game is more that there is a huge learning curve to the game. There is, there is. And most games. And again, as I said before, I think I'm not arguing that this is even superior, but most games build in an artificial restriction, (laughs) that forces players to, to, to spend time pre-max level. Mm-hmm. And while there are plenty of downsides that some of the upsides to that are your level two, and then you get your level three spell and then maybe several hours or days later, <laughs> you're hitting level 15 and now you have those spells, right? Yeah. But by the time you get to max, you've had hours and hours to like, see one new thing added to the hot bar at a time and play with it and see how it works and get used to pressing the button. Right. And in Crowfall, like even, even if everyone had to level from one to 30, it's just not that long of a time. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to go out into the dregs and be competitive outside of gear or anything else. Just, at that as that new of a player and there's not a way to separate new players from experienced players as it stands today and nor do i know that they really want to because the player base isn't so significant that they really need to be splitting people up all the time Mm -hmm. but do you see what i'm saying like yeah when everyone's level 20 and in dark age of camelot in the level 20 battleground everyone's equally limited and so even if i've played the game forever I still only have five spells I can cast or whatever, right? Yeah, hopefully the changes to God's Reach would help almost like a battleground situation where people are able to practice more. There's more incentive to get in there and do that beginning PvP. But my hardest part of the learning curve was understanding how the progression really works. Because like you said, you do get to max level fairly quickly and you can jump into the dregs or faction or faction and go do the PvPing. But if you haven't been spending the time to upgrade your disciplines, you're not really 
going to be able to benefit the guild or whoever you're working with because I just can't mine the higher level nodes or harvest the resources in the in that campaign because I don't have the disciplines to gather those materials. Well, that's just exploration disciplines. I mean, then you get into combat disciplines, and those all have their own upgrade paths as well, right? Exactly. So, right, right. But that's, I guess, that's my what I'm trying to. I guess what I'm trying to emphasize is that even independent of all of that, because all of that's valid, but even independent of all of that, if you roll a druid or a ranger, right, mm-hmm. you get two hot bars, no matter what spec you go. Yeah. Well, that might not be true for Stormcaller but whatever <laughs> for the middle, like hybrid and the healer spec of Druid, you get two hot bars, which means you have 20 potential abilities to, to be using. Yeah. Right. It just takes a while to learn 20 abilities. Like, I don't care how <laughs> pro you are, uh, <laughs> how great of a gamer you are. Like you just can't sit down in front of a list of 20 buttons that you've not seen and go, yep, I know how to type these out perfectly so i just win fights yeah yeah. and so like even if the discipline stuff aside like you just you're not going to jump in and compete with someone and i get that this is true in in all of life that there's (laughs) levels to this if you will Uh but my point is is that in crowfall there's not a way there's not something that that makes people practice together at an earlier stage Mm -hmm. and because it's not a game that just got millions of new players teaming in, even if they change the new player experience so that God's Reach, you know, Skypoint and all that is more like a, you know, an old school Dark Age battleground or something. Uh-huh. No one who's been playing the game for more than a couple of weeks is going to be there. Right. So you're still going to see a very limited player base in, the, in that play, in that space because that's what I mean by the other games have these arbitrary made up limitations which is it takes you an enormous amount of experience to level so you just are going to be at this lower level for at least a week or whatever <laughs> the time period is uh-huh. so even experienced players are stuck there right because they still have to level in this case there's just not a way to force experienced players to do anything except dregs and i don't think that they should i i, I get it that's not the fun part of the game but I don't know. There's some, there's something there about needing to be able to bring new players in so that they think it's fun before they just get farmed. Right, right, right. And and to your point, uh, when you have those abilities given to you as you level, and you're working with one or two buttons in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to understand what does what then getting 20 at one time and being like, well, make the best combination. <laughs> right. Right. Theory craft. Like, I don't know how yeah. any of this works. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, well, uh, and, and, and that's the other thing, you know, I, I know I've talked about this ad nauseum as well, but I can't get over it. Like, you know, I pulled up Icy Veins the other day. You're not a World of Warcraft player in any capacity. So Icy Veins means nothing to you. Mm-hmm. The information on the site it may as well be about any other topic. But Icy Veins is this third-party site that is an incredible resource, not only for WoW, but Diablo and other Blizzard titles, but certainly for WoW. Mm-hmm. 
but dude, you go click on like what's the what's the PVE melee DPS build for a druid in World of Warcraft on Icy Veins, and it's got page after page of every bit of information you could want to know what the best gear is, what the best specs are, what the best spell rotation is, all of it. So in something like that, you could jump in and maybe you do jump in at a max level character, but there's a thing that tells you what buttons to press in what order for top DPS, right? Yeah, yeah. But for Crowfall, I mean, to say there's nothing like that is an understatement. Like, there is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing even kind of approaching that. To the point... Oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, there's so many combinations, too. But I was just going to say, I, I mean, I like the exploration of it, of trying to figure out what works and what would be best. I, I agree. I think it's fun, too. But to introduce someone new to the game mm-hmm. and say, hey, come play this, come spend 10 hours a week minimum here, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever that time period is. It it's just potentially a big ask when they show up, get rolled, and don't have a a reasonable way to understand quickly how to not get rolled, right? Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like I'll give an example. Like we were trying to understand how harvesting skill, for lack of a better way to say that, I'm not going to try and repeat what the tooltip actually calls it. So you can have harvesting skill based on your race, right? So half giants get plus 10 to logging and quarrying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well, then if you look in your tooltip, if you're using a white level exploration discipline, so you pick up quarrying from the vendor, that discipline gives you plus five to that that skill of gathering. (laughs) But as soon as you have a green discipline Mm -hmm. or higher, it doesn't. Now that bonus to skill, it's five points, at least at that level, that same five points comes from the green toolkit. Right. Right. It's transferred over to that toolkit. Nowhere does it explain any of this clearly. Right. (laughs) Like, Nowhere. Like we had to look at the numbers in the, in the details thing and swap gear on and off and watch the values change and then go, Oh, that's how that works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is, does that detail or that five percentage points of damage to a matter to the, you know, the whole of the game? Of course not, but that's one example, (laughs) not the only example. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, know that until we did it and we've been playing for however many months now right or i mean just like i thought the way that the druid healing worked was one way and it turns out i thought the druid healing was basically i thought that your aoe's could be for more than just your group but i thought that the little green orb you spam with left click was for group only which is pretty limiting in a big PvP fight, right? Yeah, yeah. But it turns out that's true if you're the hybrid spec, the arch druid or whatever. But if you're the, I think it's earth caller, maybe the whatever the full healer spec of druid is. Well, then you get a passive talent 
you get a talent that has a passive ability and that passive ability gives your orbs the ability to heal non-group members in some capacity but man if you if you don't catch that passive ability on that talent or spec it and happen to see in your character sheet like it's just not obvious and i get it i mean how else is it supposed to work i don't know but just there are so many little nuanced details that are really significant in how things work and there's not a one-stop shop you can google to find that for whatever class you're thinking about playing you've got to do that work all of the time Right. I mean, uh, anyone who likes playing healer will try the game, be the healer, and be like, why can't I heal people outside of my group? Right? You just Maybe, unless they spec healing, and then they get that talent. And, and again, maybe I'm the only idiot who's not reading every single tooltip in the game constantly. <laughs> I don't know. Possible. It is. <laughs> so I guess my point with all of these things are just that, like, these things to me are the things that are the barriers to a, a, a faster influx of new players, right? Mm-hmm. Is it's just hard to, it's hard to learn the game. A, because there's not a ton of third party content to, to help you learn the game. And B, there's not, the game itself isn't structured in a way that forces you to learn it slowly over time. Again, through something like a level, a long leveling experience. Yeah, yeah. And it, it takes time to figure out those things on your own. Right. Um, so once they're figured out, and then perhaps folks will start making those resources. There are there are some crafting calculators out there. Yeah. Various combinations on materials and what stats they produce when you're crafting. Yeah. So there are, are things that are... Actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think that might be Winterblade's website. Oh, yeah. I think that's right. I think it is, if I'm not wrong, that has that. Thanks, Winterblades. <laughs> yeah. I've Hope seen you're around a few of those, but yeah. <laughs> Keep updating that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah, and there's... I mean, we've highlighted other content creators in the Crowfall community, so I don't mean to imply that there's nothing... But it's not a centralized, there's not centralized places. Because frankly, I mean, the reason Icy Veins exists isn't because people love WoW more. Well, it's because more people do. (laughs) And so there's enough volume of users to generate enough ad revenue that it's worth it for the people who run Icy Veins to run it. And Crowfall doesn't have that, doesn't have that level of community currently, right? There's also a lot of changes that are happening fairly quickly so who knows if someone were to make a detailed list of how everything works that may not be the case a few months from now right yes yeah i think you're i think you're exactly right but yeah so i don't know i i i don't think that that prevents the game from getting new players and i think that i mean again you know the other thing is that's easy to forget is that we aren't quite two and a half months in yet, or maybe we are, we're slightly over two and a half months, I guess, into this. Is this the second Dregs campaign or is this the third? Uh, I think it might be the third. I think, I think that's true. I might have skipped the first one or one of them. Maybe. Yeah, I think you might be right. But either way, so it's also all, all of it's still very new, right? And 
And if you had asked us two months ago what our experience in the dregs was like, we wouldn't be able to tell you anything because we didn't have one. And yeah. now if someone asks us, why do you like to play Crowfall? We can tell some pretty compelling keep siege battle stories that are like, I don't know. It's super cool to see that. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's, I think also as the game continues to mature along with its existing player base, it also becomes easier for people to understand the magic of the game as more players have an opportunity to see that, right? Absolutely. Because at first, not even the existing player base, not everyone can see it. Because if you're not in one of the top guilds at the very beginning, then you're us and you don't know what the hell you're doing. So you're not seeing that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very dependent on group play and being in a guild that's prepared to go into those campaigns is a lot for the experience because if you're not in a guild that's prepared to go into those campaigns then you're in god's reach or or your experience is completely different yeah yep but yeah i mean you know they also posted on the forums um kind of shifting gears slightly but still talking about changes and campaigns and that stuff they they posted, I think, what is it called? Campaign Rules and Modifications is the, the name of the post from the from the developer. But it's basically talking about all of these different campaign rules that they are putting in place. Not that, not that the, these rules are definitely going to be used, but that they will have the capacity or the ability to mm-hmm. create campaigns with widely varied rule sets, which I also think is going to be beyond just the constant restarting of the campaigns and all the value I think that brings. I think that having different rule sets for campaigns is also super fun. It would definitely give it a lot more variety Mm -hmm. as far as what the campaign is made of. I mean, if you were to say only certain races or classes or abilities, Mm -hmm. it would change the entire landscape as far as who's in there and and what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be, I think it could be really, really neat. And, and I mean, just some of the examples they have would be, you know, like to the race thing, like maybe it's an elf world where you have to be a wood elf, a high elf, half elf or fae, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, monster mash. You have to be a min, minotaur, centaur, Ganesian or Elkin. Mm-hmm. So like, I think that's super interesting and I don't think that that would be fun to play for nine months, but right. for four or five weeks, like, yeah, that's interesting. Or they talk about, like, maybe making it so everyone has a discipline as a default. Like, the, the top one they list is Archer World. Everyone starts with archery, a bow slot, an ammo slot, and all players have ranged attacks. Well, that could be pretty interesting, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's going to yeah. change the way that fights play out a lot. I wonder about the victory conditions also. I mean, if there was an elf uh, centaur world, would it be elves versus centaurs? Or is there a potential for maybe if you are the elf and centaur, then you're working together against some NPC threat or something like that? That's true. I hadn't thought about that. That would be really, I mean, I, I mean, all of the Crowfall backers might 
have to go to the doctor for cardiac arrest or something, but <laughs> if they were to, cre- if they were to create a unique campaign that was like a cooperative. Yeah. Know, yeah. I, I was talking to one of our guild members and we brought up the idea of almost like, uh, what's it called when, uh, waves of NPCs come at you and you're basically just trying to hold off for as long as you can. Yeah. Like a horde mode firefight. Yeah. If you had your keep and had to defend it against a horde mode NPC army or something like that, that happened toward the end of drags or something. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible. Well, and I think that it just like in other games, you just don't have that. Right, like in in something like like Dark Age, and that's an old game, so maybe it's not fair. But in something like that, like you had your RVR, but it wasn't designed to be iterative. So yeah, you couldn't easily have one month of it plays totally different than it has all the rest of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. What we're what we're seeing here, seeing develop, is we basically have a dynamic end game that could be anything mm-hmm. but with the fact that campaigns restart various rule changes however it wants to be built the end game of january might not be the same end game in february mm-hmm. and that's amazing because it just would you never you never get all the stuff you never get the whole experience it's it would be different from month to month campaign to campaign. Right. Well, and with what we're talking about, you know, like the Archer world thing or, or whatever the different, you know, global bonuses they could give potentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it also, you know, cause okay. So the end game changes because the rules of that change or whatever, but ultimately like PVP is still the vehicle by which you accomplish that end game. Right. Yeah. But with all these different global modifiers, potentially even, the very way that the PVP fights play out could change even with the same characters, because now yeah. if everyone has archery, just to stay with that example, mm-hmm. well, now fights might just look way different than they do at any other, in any other campaign. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of, I mean, I don't know how this completely works out, but I was thinking of an idea where there were, there was some sort of central keep that would become reconquerable every three, four days. And just to set the situation to say that there were three dregs areas, three areas within the dregs that were North American region. And in each region, there was one power base keep that generated 10 victory points and these three keeps were up for siege at the same time for North America the top three guilds would have to decide if each guild was going to take one of these keeps or if they were going to stop maybe the number one guild from getting one of these keeps Mm -hmm. but along with the campaign resets you would have these keeps also reset. But that doesn't necessarily say these are the only keeps on the map. 
you would then have the opportunity to have your own keep outside of these central uh, power keeps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it would add some more decision-making or politicking in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. what It, it kind of calls to like a Game of Thrones with King's Landing or like a Total War. Uh, I mean, this is such a departure from genre, but like in... Uh, is it Total War Shogun 2 or Shogun Total War 2, whatever that is. Yeah. But where it takes place in Japan and there's all these different factions vying for territory. Mm-hmm. But Kyoto is the central capture point that if you hold that, you are the emperor. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, then what that... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, that's Shogun. Yeah, so then what happens is you, when you take Kyoto, you become the emperor, and you are generating more value. I don't remember how. I don't know if it's points or money or what. But basically, the rest of the map now wants to take that from you, right? Right. And so it just creates a scenario where it's hard. It's, it makes it harder to seize the power and maintain it. And so, yeah, I mean, I think what you're talking about Again, who knows exactly what the specifics are, but there's a way that maybe something like that could be implied that has nothing to do with how the characters themselves work or abilities work or any of that. And instead is just the point structure of the map layout. Right. And that could be different. Right. I mean, the dregs that we know right now could easily be different in the next campaign or a year Mm -hmm. from now the point structure and how the keeps are laid out right now. It seems like I've seen a lot of discussion of people have been down on the mega guilds or well, winter blades, number one, they have the manpower. They can have these seven keeps and well, it works that that way in this dregs, but the point dynamic of how that calculates victory can be different later on. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, in the, you know, in their in their post, they also talk about a, a scenario where maybe guild or alliance caps are in place. So maybe in each campaign, only X amount of people from a certain guild can be logged into that campaign at any time. So if you log in, let's say that number is 50 and you're number 51, well, when you go to log into the campaign, even if the server has bandwidth or that campaign overall has bandwidth population-wise for you as the additional player, if your guild already has 50, you you get a pop-up that says you're in queue until one of your guildmates leaves, right? Oh, wow. Things like that matter, too, because then having a guild of 9,000 doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you're only represented by this. But... I think the thing that I like about it is that that I like about these different rule ideas that we're talking about and these constant the constant frequency of campaigns is that it also makes it so that there doesn't have to be one way. Like, yes, maybe yeah. the people who are in Winter Blades like being in the Mega Guild. You know, it's easy for everyone who's not in it to be like, oh, the machine and evil <laughs> corporations. Like, but maybe they're having fun, and yeah. maybe that's not wrong of them to enjoy it that way. So maybe there's another campaign where they can't leverage their power like they can now with their numbers. But then maybe the next campaign after that one cycles back to something more like this, where having bigger numbers does just mean you have an inherent advantage, right? 
it doesn't have to be just there's one best campaign, I guess is my point. Like we yeah. can cycle and have variety and maybe what you're talking about where it's this kind of king of the hill as a way to easily simplify that mm-hmm. structure. Right. Well, maybe not every campaign is that, but maybe every third one is, right? Like so mm-hmm. you get to cycle in and out and see these different things. And it and it plays to different strengths. If you're good at running a mega guild and organizing a thousand people behind you, well, you'll have campaigns where you can be rewarded for that being your strong suit. And if you're someone like yourself who's been able to finagle a smaller guild and a smaller alliance that's that's not as big in the number size but still is dedicated, well, maybe there's other campaigns where you're able to leverage that reality to your to your benefit. And the mega guild doesn't get their same benefits, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think the word you used at the very beginning of this is correct. It's just, it's dynamic. And yeah. that's awesome. And it's rare. I know. I, I mean, there. I don't see any other game offering such a dynamic in-game where anything could, could change. I mean, people who tried the, the game in the first month and had their impression of it is like, well, that's not the game later on. I don't know. It's 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 great that there isn't that one way. I right. think for a MMO to have that type of longevity, it seems like it would separate it from the other MMOs who have more of a static end game where now we do the raids or and it's the same raid, it's the same battleground it's all of that right yeah no i i completely agree and uh, obviously you know crowfall developer artcraft has to do their part in setting up systems to attract new players i don't mean in-game systems necessarily but whether that be the recruiter friend program or promoting war stories like they do but whatever it is they got to do their part and then we can do our part as members of the community i mean people who listen to this that are way more experienced in this game than you and I are, which I don't know if there are any of those people or not, <laughs> but if there are, they probably think that I have no idea what I'm talking about most of the time, <laughs> which is totally fine. And despite that, I still like it, right? Like yeah. and I'm still passionate about it and it's because of what we're talking about right now. So then it's up to us as players when you don't have to start a podcast or, or make YouTube bods, but tell people about it. Tell people about the fun times you have. Tell people about how it's different, right? Talk about it, promote promote what does change and what does work and and we'll, we'll encourage new people to try it out and i mean it's not like we work for artcraft or something so my motivation is not that i want to see the game grow because i get money from it it's because this is different and this is unique and we need more people to continue to come in to keep it thriving um because i don't want it to go away because i don't want to go back to playing battlegrounds and wow or something right like yeah, yeah, not the same. Yeah, it's it's fun because there is unlimited amounts of sandboxes to be had at the end. Well, that's all for the show today. Follow us on Twitter and Minds at Crowfall Pod. You can also check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which explores the walk of life through interviews with a variety of guests, and my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley, and is all about why gaming matters. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.